been looking this month, uh, talking every Sunday morning as the Lord has led about the rapture and uh, Christ's uh, return in the clouds and calling up of all the saints of God. And that's going to be a wonderful and a glorious day. Um, we have talked about the certainty of His coming, and we saw that uh, the Bible promises throughout Scripture uh, that the Lord is coming. The angel said when he ascended, in like manner, he would descend one day. And um, we saw that uh, it was a matter of certainty. We saw the comfort of his coming and how it should comfort our hearts. Uh, we looked a couple weeks ago at the city that we will see at his coming. And how when John in Revelation chapter 4, when we approach heaven and um, all that we are going to behold, and our eyes will first be drawn, as John's were, to the throne of God. And uh, we will worship at his feet, and that's going to be a glorious day as well. And we saw last Sunday a comparison of his coming, and um, as it was in the days of Lot. And we looked at um, the three um, believers in the days of Lot. We saw Abraham being faithful and praying and acting upon the word of God. We saw Lot uh, lingering, carnal mind, carnal heart. But I believe his righteous soul, as the Bible says, was vexed day to day. But he had just become desensitized to the world around him. And we saw his wife, who uh, did not have that faith, and she turned and was turned into a pillar of salt. And we saw the comparison there. And to kind of wrap things up, as far as I know, but we'll let the Lord lead. But uh, I want to look this morning at the challenge of his coming. The challenge of his coming. In 1 John chapter number 3, in verse number 1, says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. The rapture and the teaching of it comes with a challenge. A challenge, not, and I'm not talking about anything hard to be understood. What I mean by challenge is a motivation or a, just a rational reasoning. Verse number three simply states it. That if we truly have confidence that the Lord is coming back, and I hope that you do believe that the Lord's coming back. And if we truly have this hope within us, then every man who believes this will purify himself, even as he is pure. I believe that's why the Lord directed us to... Uh, look at his return as we started our new theme for the year, Without Spot or Wrinkle. It's God's desire that we might be presented to him one day, a glorious church. And there ought to be some preparation being made if we believe that he is coming. There ought to be a desire to be holy, to desire holiness. Now, I cannot, nor can you, achieve the holiness of God. But we should want to be as clean and pure as we can, knowing that He is coming. 
this modern Christianity that is becoming more and more prevalent of do whatever you want to do, however you want to do that, that it doesn't matter how you act or how you live or what you listen to or what you watch or how you worship or whatever your doctrine is. As my grandpa used to say, that teaching is for the birds. Because the Bible says otherwise. It's not a matter of not loving. It's not a matter of... Matter of fact, if you get pride out of any of this teaching, you're not listening. I didn't, no one in this auditorium should ever feel any better than anybody else. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. And it doesn't concern me what anybody else is doing. I just need to make sure my life is right. And I need to make sure to the best of my ability as a pastor, that our church is right. And if we truly believe that he's coming, and this hope is in us, it should instill in us a desire to be more like Christ. That we might purify ourselves, Not looking for loopholes, excuses, or rationalizing the desires of our flesh when they're in contradiction to the Word of God. We believe He's coming back. And that should create in us a desire to be holy. I'm not stretching a scripture. I'm not preaching my devotions this morning. Ezekiel God told the prophet that the prophets of God in that day were being judged because they spoke from their heart and not from the Word of God. I do not speak from my heart today. I speak from the Word of God. But the Bible says that every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let's pray, and then we'll look at what all John said here. Father, Lord, we love you, and I just pray that, Lord, you just teach us your word now. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God. May he work in our lives this morning. Thank you for what you've shown me. I pray I'll be able to share that this morning to the best of my ability. But, Lord, may your spirit be in control, and I surrender myself to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want you to see a couple of things. First of all, as John said in verse number one, I want you to see the attention, all right? Attention. Uh, the very first word, mine's in all capitals of verse number one, probably yours is too, but it's the word what? Behold, behold all right? That word behold means, hey, pay attention, all right? Behold. Stop what you're doing. Look at this and think about what is before you. That is the word behold, all right? And so many times, I've been guilty too. We get in church sometimes, we've got a lot on our mind. When God wants us to stop this morning and behold, stop and consider these things. John calls the believers to stop and take a close look at a few things, and he's going to talk about that the Lord is coming back. But before he speaks about the Lord coming back, before he speaks about the purity that should be uh, obviously uh, desired in our life, before he does that, he says, stop, because 
There's some things many times that we take for granted. We need to sit up this morning, pay attention, and think about what John said to behold. And the very first thing that he brought out here in verse number one says, Behold, what manner of love. John calls our attention to stop and look at the love that God has for us. God has an unbelievable, undescribable love for you and I. John calls us to attention to look at, number one, how much he adores us. Can I tell you something? The Lord loves you. The Lord adores you. You say, I've done some pretty rotten things. We all have done some pretty rotten things. And God chose to love us before we ever committed those rotten things, knowing we would commit those rotten things. But he loves us. In the book of John, I believe, it says that as the, Jesus said these words, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. What an awesome verse. Love that verse. I mean, how long has God loved Jesus? forever when will he ever quit loving jesus never and as the father had loved him so as jesus loved us isn't that awesome he loves you he's always loved you he always will love you and he adores you you he, he, every your whole life is constantly before him he cares when a hair falls from your head he notices all of these things the and before john gets into all this and it's really important that we do the same thing before we ever look at the return of christ before we ever look at the pure life that we ought to live john says stop and consider what manner of love because that changes everything i mean you know if we were to have a you know a complete stranger you know uh, i'll I'll start with this all right my wife and hope they're down in florida right now it is miss napier's birthday and uh they took a few days to party all right i don't know what they're doing right uh um, having a lot better weather than we are right now. All right, but uh, uh, but there, she's coming back Monday. I I am looking forward to my wife and Hope coming back. I'm looking forward to Stacy walking down there, Cincinnati Airport, through the area and uh, you know the little red. If you ever been there, red tape can't go past it. Right, and uh, but you're waiting for your loved ones to come. Right, y'all with me? Right, I'll be standing. I'll be watching. And waiting and hopefully there's no delays because she's landing at 9 p.m all right and uh so i'll be sitting there waiting there will be a lot of people who will walk past me and none of them will i say hey <laughs> i've missed you so much <laughs> they would dodge me avoid me and turn me in right yeah right like what kind of weirdo is that right I mean, because there's not a relationship there, there's not a love there, but when I see her down the aisle, coming down that hallway, heading towards the red tape that I can't cross, I will stand up, my heart will begin to flutter, there she is, right? There she comes, you know why? Because we love each other. So many Christians who aren't looking forward to this return because you don't bask in the love of God. You don't realize how much He loves you. 
and you're not reciprocating that love back to him. See, that's kind of harsh. That's a reality. John made no mistake. He's going to talk about the return of Christ. He's going to talk about the joy that should be there and the motivation that's behind that. But he first stops and says, Behold! Stop! Think about this. What manner of love? God loves you this morning. I want us to consider that. And, 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 and uh, I just wrote down a few things real quick about the love of God. And I thought I wrote down these, these five things. Number one, it's an unmerited love. I did nothing to deserve the love of God, but praise the Lord, He gave it to me anyways. He chose to love me as a very unlovable person before I ever loved Him. I never deserved His love. I never was anything that God should love, but He chose to love me. And you're the same way. God loves us because He chooses to love us. It is an unmerited love. It is an unselfish love. He gave everything for us. That's what that word there, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed. That word bestowed means just poured out upon us and expecting that we could never pay it back. That's the kind of love our Father's given us. He just poured out His love and gave everything. Say, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He literally gave His own Son for us. That is an unmerited, unselfish love I wrote down this word. It's an unbelievable love. It's hard to wrap our minds about how much God loves us. It's a song. There's so many songs about the love of God. If the oceans were in ink, well, we could never write enough about the love of God. He just, he loves us with a love that we cannot fathom. It's an unbelievable love, but praise God, it's an unchangeable love. It will never change. God will always love you. I was asked in our, one of our institute classes, does God, you say God is unchangeable, does God love the people in hell? And I didn't have to think about it much. Yes. He still loves them. Now, they made a choice. They chose to reject him. But God loves. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves. He loves, according to the word of God, the chiefest of sinners. And I don't care where you fall in that. He loves you. You say, but I did some pretty bad things lately. He still loves you. I said some bad things about him. He still loves you. His love is unmerited, unselfish, unbelievable, unchangeable, and praise the Lord, it's unending. He will always love us. So John, before he gets into any of these things, he says, Behold, look how he adores you. Secondly, he says, Behold, think about this. Before we get into any rest of the stuff, he has adopted you. Isn't that a glorious thing? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The moment that you and I got saved, we became his child. And I love the fact we just got done an institute studying the Trinity. Did you know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all proclaimed us to be God's child? 
It's a wonderful thing. We're going to come right back here. Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Back a few pages real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is just something to rejoice our hearts, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and in verse number 18. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 18. We see here this adoption that took place. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God himself said, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we, we have been made, the Father declared us as children. The Son said so in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 2. Book of Hebrews chapter number 2 and in verse number 11. Hebrews 2 and verse number 11 um, says this, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. That's pretty awesome. Because I know the kind of person I am, and for Jesus to say that is amazing to me, all right? The Holy Spirit has said that in Romans chapter number 8 and in verse number 16. Romans 8 and verse number 16 uh, says simply this, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit, capital S, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Father, Son, and Spirit. All those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been declared to be God's children. What a wonderful thing. Now, yeah, again, all right, tomorrow, Lord willing, not only Stacy will walk down the hallway heading towards the red tape, all right, but there will come hope. There'll be probably some other teenagers that walk by. There'll be some other young adults that walk by. But when I see hope, I smile. When I see hope, she smiles at me. She'll no doubt come up. She always does it. She calls me dada, right? Uh, and she'll do that, all right? And that's awesome. That's my child. Someday. He's coming back. He loves us. He adores us. And we are His children. He anxiously awaits for our uh, reunion together, our joining with Him, and so shall we be forever with the Lord. He is looking forward to this. He is anxiously awaiting this. When He does return, that's why He shouts. There's an excitement there. Because he loves us and we're his children. And the fact that I am his child means this. And I don't have time to preach all this, but this ought to at least make you want to shout a little bit. He has given us his home. Amen. He has given us heaven. He gives to us, as every parent will, help. A, a hand to hold on to. A happiness and a joy and a peace. A heritage to inherit. An honor. It is great to be God's child. There is an adoring and there is an adoption, but also, John says it, don't get mad at me. But because of that, there is an alienation. Look at verse number one. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. 
Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The word knoweth there is a biblical term that means to know each other intimately, closely, have a close relationship with. Now, obviously people knew who Jesus was. That's not what that verse is talking about. It's saying this, that there are people, they, the world hated him. Right? The world rejected him. The world didn't want anything to do with him. Why not? Why didn't the world want anything to do with Jesus? I mean, he loved them, right? Was he friendly to everybody? Absolutely. He was not unkind. He showed love. He would sit down and talk to anybody. But the world rejected him because he would not approve of sin. He would not condone sin. He would not partake in any ungodliness. Amen. Amen. To the world, he was no fun. Now, a lot of people would watch and come and see a miracle. And Jesus even said, I know you've come to see a miracle. They give him the truth. But that same crowd would one day say, crucify him. They didn't want him because he didn't fit in their life. They just, while he was friendly and loving and would sit down and talk to anyone, his life demanded a separation from a world that was wicked. They knew him not. But notice what John said. Neither does the world know us. That's the way it should be. You're awful quiet on me. All I'm giving is Bible. You say, well, Pastor so-and-so said, yeah, have him show me a verse in Scripture. I'm giving a Bible. That's what it says. And again, it wasn't a friendly, it wasn't a haughtiness. It was, was, was the Lord walking around prideful? So much better than you guys. No, that's blasphemy, right? Nor should any one of us. You know, the other day, you know, we are, I have on our, you know, signs, and when you walk in, Ohio's friendliest church, right? You know, you know, last Sunday, Nicholas and Reba had a slight, small little car accident, and um, I guess they ran into one of the pastors right down the road, and um, so they, they started talking, everything was fine, and they were talking, and the pastor's like, you're, where, are you, where are you going to church at? He said, Kazadel. He goes, I gotta ask you a question. So he asked Nicholas this question, he goes, he goes, did you guys win an award for being the friendliest church? He said, where, where did, where, how did you get that title? And Nick was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. But he told him, he said, uh, and he told him the right answer. He said, our pastors put that as, as a motivation in front of us. And that's the exact reason why. You know, I want every time you drive by a sign, every time you walk on the rug, I want you to be reminded we're supposed to be very friendly and loving, kind people. Because you're God's child. And that's the way God was. He was friendly and loving and kind. I don't care what kind of sinner walks in the back door. They're welcome to sit here in our auditorium. And we ought to love on them. And we ought to tell them we're praying for them. And we ought to try to reach them. But we do not compromise on sin. We do not compromise in, 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 in just condoning anything that goes on. 
being God's child comes with it an alienation that we shouldn't be like the world. Amen. I know we're, we're dropping off a little bit, but that's what the Bible says. And John's getting somewhere. So am I, because I'm just telling you what John said, all right? But he says, behold, stop and think about these things. The, the adoration that God has for us and the love that he has and the adoption that he has made us his child. We are his children and one day we're going to see the Lord. One day we are going to be with, the, uh, with God. But that comes with it in alienation and that we ought to understand this world isn't my home. I shouldn't be compromising and accepting everything that it offers. I need to live according to the word of God. So there's a, a tension. And then in verse number two, there's a, some assurance. Very, verse two is a very confident verse. He says, there's some things that you can be assured of. Verse number two, look at it real quick. Number one, if you've accepted Christ, you have been redeemed. Verse number two, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you could lose your salvation, that would be a false statement. But it's settled forever. Amen? Now are we. I'm not one day going to become the Son of God. I'm not one day going to become God's child. I'm not one day going... I am God's child. Right now. Now are we the sons of God. It, the moment that you said, yes, I am a sinner. I believe Christ died for my sins. I know that I deserve hell, but I'm putting my faith in Christ. That moment you became God's child, you were placed in His hand. Nothing can remove you from that hand. You will forever be God's child. That's why they rejoiced in heaven at that moment. That's why we praise the Lord when anyone gets saved because it's settled forever. He that hath the Son hath life. Not might get it, not could lose it. You've got it. I am redeemed. Again, John's bringing all this to our attention because he's getting to the point that he's coming back. But listen, there's some assurances. I am redeemed. I am God's child. You can also have this assurance that the rapture's going to happen. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, not if, when, we know this. Amen? I can be assured today that I am God's child. If you're not sure of that today, then please, my friend, let us take the word of God and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven. Matter of fact, John would say, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know that, all right? And so I hope you know that you're redeemed, but I also know just as much as I'm saved that the Lord's coming back. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. But he is coming back. The redeemed and then the rapture and then is also going to be a renewing. When he shall appear, we shall. The word shall is a powerful verse. Powerful word. No doubt about this. Someday, 
we're going to be made like him. What a wonderful blessing. Again, that's not talking, we're not going to be God. You understand what it's saying. This body is going to be transformed. We're going to be made like him. Which means no more sickness, no more pain. All of the corruption that is in this flesh will be replaced with incorruption. This mortal body that is on its way towards death will be changed into an immortal body. This mind that is so limited will be freed from the limitations of this flesh. Amen. We will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye into a, a, a spiritual body with, and, and without blood. Study it, all right? We'll have a body like his, which, you know, I'm just, just truth. But you can walk through a wall. No more needed doors. Isn't that awesome? You say, well, that's weird. He did it. In that new body, that's what he did. Amen? Oh, you might as well enjoy it. It's going to happen, right? I'll be walking through every wall I can, right? Yeah. This is so cool, right? Now, now it's going to be glorious, no more restrictions that this flesh brings. We will be made like him. Eternal. In a new body. Soul and spirit that are all in perfect harmony. We will praise and glorify the Lord for all of eternity. Praise the Lord for this renewing that's going to take place. It will happen. We shall be like him there's an assurance of our redemption the rapture the renewing but praise the lord my favorite point the revelation we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is we will see the lord jesus christ isn't that a glorious thing as he is i believe we'll be able to see the nail prints in his hands because in his resurrected body he invited Thomas to put his hand in his side to see the prince in his hand and we'll see him as he is when we see those nail prints glorious it'll be humbling we'll just want to praise him but we get to see the Lord what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Won't it be a glorious day? We will see our Lord. There's an attention. There is an assurance. And now John's going to challenge knowing these things. Knowing these things, he's going to challenge us challenge those who he wrote to and it's a new word of God because it's a challenge to us too I don't know about you but I am thankful for the love of God today I am so thankful he has made me his child I am thankful for the privilege to be known and with the rights and responsibilities of his child I have assurance today that I am redeemed the Lord is coming back and my this body will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and I will see the Lord 
glorious things. Amen? Verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We, if these things be true, in verse 1 and 2, and they are. This should bring some, what I outlined as some absolutes, some demands, some things that are just, it's, it's rational, it's right. I want you to see in verse number three that this is for every man. I wrote down the word compassed. Who all it compasses, who all it involves. It involves every man. What John's about to say is not for the pastor and him alone. It's not for the pastor's family. It's not for those that go to just this certain church. Amen. It's not just for that one group that, no, every man. If you believe, and we've talked about it all month, that the Lord is coming back, I've said it many times. I believe the Lord is coming soon. I'm not putting a date on it. God didn't tell us. And there's no way, all right? But we're just supposed to be ready. But every man that believes what I just said, that you all, amen, that you all were excited about, just like I'm excited about the love of God and what he's done for me and my redemption and what's going to happen one day, and I will see the Lord one day. Every man that had this hope in him, every one of us, you sitting in those pew, if you believe the Lord's coming back, there ought to be something inside of you, at verse number three, that hath this hope in him. You are confident about it. You know it's true. You will want to cleanse yourself. You won't have an issue with a theme for a year without spot or wrinkle. You are welcoming, man. I want this. I have performed a lot of weddings. A lot of weddings. And um, in the past few years, performed a lot of weddings. I've never yet seen a bride-to-be show up two minutes before and say, you know, I probably should get ready. I only got two minutes. Anybody seen the dress? I, I pri- should I comb my hair? I didn't. I got up this morning. I was in a rush. I didn't really comb it. No, nah, man. They start at like 3 in the morning here at the church. They're always just like, hey, what time can we get in? Uh, nine? Oh, I was thinking 4. Oh, Brother Price, open the door. Uh, you know, no, it, I mean, right? They're getting every hair in the perfect whatever they, they do, right? So easy for us guys. Yeah. Right? I mean, hours on the hair. Then the makeup person comes in. And then the dress comes in. And that, there's a whole lot more that goes into it. I'm not even talking about every flower has to be in the right spot. And every little candle in the right spot. Because this is the day. He's coming back. 
And if we really believed it, we would want to be purifying ourselves, not looking for excuses to please our flesh, not looking for excuses to act how we want to act. Our, when it comes to, I don't care, people always call them standards. They're just matters of holiness. I don't really like the word standards. It's holiness. All right? And I'm not going to get deep into them, so don't worry. All right? But if your heart already starts going, oh, here it comes, then maybe you might want to change something. Amen. I'm not, I'm not bragging at all. All right? I say this very humbly, and I'm very thankful for God and my parents and the Word of God. But if someone came up and said, I want to preach on standards of holiness, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, no. Oh, this is going to be rough. Oh, I'm going to be miserable the next 35 minutes. No, I'm just like, bring it on, man. Because if I'm not doing something that I could please the Lord more, I want to do it. Because he's coming. He's coming. He's returning. You see, the only reality is this is, you either don't believe he's coming or you love yourself more than him. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying. That's what it says. That's what it says. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. The Lord's coming back soon. Now's not the time to accept false doctrine. Now's not the time to throw away holiness. Now's not the time to give up these battles. Now more than ever, it is a time to prepare ourselves that we might stand before him without spot and without wrinkle to the best of our ability. Because he is coming back.